Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome back to Text Talk. We're so glad that you have found this podcast where we're opening up the Word of God and we're talking about it, encouraging one another in the Word. We appreciate all of our listeners, all of our subscribers. Give us a rating, pass the podcast along. We sure do appreciate it. Uh, Edwin, what is our text for today? We are in Acts chapter 26. I'm going to read the first eight verses and it is from the English Standard Version. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by the Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? So what I love about this is the Apostle Paul has this opportunity to speak to King Agrippa. He really has a talking point in these defenses, that whether he's in front of the Sanhedrin Council, which uh, sort of began all of this aspect of the book um, a couple of chapters ago, and in time, we're talking about two years ago plus at this point, speaking to the Sanhedrin, uh, speaking to Felix, the previous governor, and some of these accounts that are recorded for us, the talking point is hope, hope and resurrection. When he has an opportunity to talk about, uh, to his mind, what this all goes back to uh, is that I, I am from this uh, heritage of Jews, this religious group, the Pharisees, we have a conviction about what the scriptures teach, promised, and we're prophesying hope, confident expectation about resurrection of the dead, which is then going to talk about the the Lord Jesus Christ and his victory over death, and ultimately a victory for all of his people in his kingdom. But uh, what a fantastic message to key in on, and I'm always going to start here or launch here, let's go with hope. And the hope is, as we've said before, resurrection. Amen. The hope is not, I'm going to make a lot of money or Mm -hmm. I'm going to have a nice retirement. The hope is not, we're going to fix the world. The hope is not, society is going to be saved. The hope is resurrection. And this is a promise that God has given all the way back to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's the way Paul interprets it. This has been a promise ever since the beginning of God's covenant through Abraham, resurrection. What a great, what a great um, lesson that I take right here as a Christian. Where do I want to begin sharing my faith with other people? Where do you start? 
Maybe we should start with hope and understand that this is a message of hope. Paul does repeatedly, and even to audiences quite hostile to his message, hope and hope in the resurrection of Christ. It breaks my heart that many today view the hope of resurrection as pie in the sky and the great by and by, as if it's not real hope. Folks don't want that way off in the future, in the distance, afterlife hope. They They need something right now. And look... When you live by the gospel, at least in a country or society that approves of gospel living, you probably are going to have better living even in this life. But I look back at Paul's day. I look back at the first century and folks were turning to the gospel and it did not make them more money. It did not make them more popular. It did not give them business opportunities. It did not give them a great retirement. It gave them persecution. For many of them, it cost them their jobs. It cost them their families. It cost them, you know, uh, this idea today that what we need to do is shift the hope and let people see, here's what you're going to get now from following the gospel. Again, I don't want to deny that in a culture that accepts gospel living positively, it probably will improve your, your lifestyle and what's going on. But the hope is resurrection. The hope never was, look, you've been oppressed and marginalized. You've been in poverty. You've been sick. If you become a Christian, all that's going to change. You're going to start obeying God and your life is just going to get better. And then, oh yeah, at the end you get to go to heaven. The hope is resurrection. And I'm with you on that. And I think it's a a terrible shame and that we are kidding ourselves if we think that hope is not a desperate need and something that speaks to our needs right now. You know, you're talking about the pie in the sky and what's it doing for me right now? And I think the, um, you know, the terminologies people talk about, well, how does the gospel meet my felt needs? I've got these felt needs. And so, you know, I got to feel it. Um, But don't ignore your soul needs hope. Your mind and heart need hope. And I think we we look around us in a time of great trial in our society right now. And uh, the response to all of this uh, really speaks to, I think, emphasizes a dearth of hope along, along among many people. And that the gospel is the only thing that can supply it. I wonder if part of the problem, and you know, we're actually moving in a different direction than I had intended as we were talking well, about this. Well, we're going to get to the resurrection. I but just... <laughs> uh, no, I mean, we, we've gotten into something that I think is important here. I wonder if the reason why there is a dearth of hope is because when we classify the resurrection as pie in the sky and the great by and by, I need something to hit my felt needs now. And everything we offer that is hope in this life, when people get to it, it's kind of like that old song that I once heard, is that all there is? Mm. Is that all there is? So I, I, I start living better and I'm working more ethically and I have a, a good work ethic and, and working hard and so I make more money. And now I found out that, okay, when I make more money, I get a nicer house, I drive a nicer car. But is that all there is? I tell you, that's a terrible shame. That's a terrible shame if we as a people, if as a church, have been so uh, won over by materialism that we scoff at the idea of eternal life. And even if what we're talking about is, hey, I've got better relationships, my marriage is better, my relationship with my kids are better, and there's a lot of great stuff that comes from that. There really is. I don't want to dismiss that at all. But I think there's a point at which someone has that and they say, is that all there is? Yeah. And I also think there's something about the fact that I don't have to be a Christian to have either one of those blessings. Well, now that's or interesting. benefits, I guess I should say. That, that you're right about that, that if it's all about felt needs, um, well, hey, let's look at the smorgasbord of religions because they all have kind of their 
their message for that or their tact for that. If it's about doing humanitarian efforts and, you know, the purpose of religion is just to make the world a better place, well, then pick one. Don't, don't they all do that? It's like truth claims go aside and we don't worry about what happens after we die. Certainly nothing that would make us seriously consider what Paul is preaching, which is this resurrection. And so he says, why is it thought so incredible that God raises the dead? So the thing I really was hoping we would get to, and I guess we'll just go ahead and shift over to it now, and that is, we've said it before, and I want to say it again and again and again because I want to drive this home. There are a whole lot of people today, Andrew, that think the only reason Christianity took root is because back in these ancient times, folks were just gullible and superstitious, and they just thought, well, resurrection just happens all the time, or it could happen to anyone, or it's really not shocking or surprising that someone was raised from the dead. So when these folks came in and taught that Jesus was raised from the dead, well, hey, that might have just happened, because we know that sort of thing happens. Wait a second, Edwin. Isn't that what Paul's saying? Why should you think it incredible that God raises the dead? Doesn't this happen all the time? He is not saying this happens all the time. (laughs) That that is not the point. Wait a second. (laughs) No, in fact, think about this. If what he is saying is, guys, look, this kind of thing happens all the time, then the claim that Jesus was resurrected from the dead is not a special claim at all. No, it's not. And, and his resurrection makes no special claim on us. If what, if what attracted people was, oh, this happens, it's not surprising that this happens, then the gospel is meaningless because this is just something that happens. In fact, what we find again and again and again and again is the sticking point was resurrection. Mm-hmm. Paul People don't get raised from the dead. And I'm not saying there weren't ever any any superstitious, gullible people. I, I mean, there are those today who think Elvis is still alive and all those kinds of things. I get it. But, yeah, but no one has said Elvis has been resurrected. <laughs> but no one has said Elvis <laughs> I mean, no has been resurrected. That. That's exactly right. But, but at this point, I, in general, folks recognize... Resurrection doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so when you have huge numbers of people accepting that, it is not because they are superstitious and gullible. It's because they've seen evidence to say that I know this doesn't happen, but apparently it happened this time. And because it happened in this very special way, this very special time, this uniquely singular uh, event because this has happened, this makes a claim on my life that I need to respond to. Makes a huge claim. Now, what the Apostle Paul does as well, I picked up on this in your reading, uh, is trying to build some common ground with Agrippa. Uh, you know our customs. You know about the religion. Uh, I can talk to you about this, and this is a little bit inside, because of our shared background, which I don't have with Festus and Felix and, and some of these other uh, Roman guys. Right, right. So, Uh, And raising the dead is something God can do uh, in the Old Testament, um, but it is incredibly rare. Okay, so I I think part of the part of the message here is it hinges on God when he asks the question, um, you know, why should it be thought incredible to you that God raises the dead? Well, God had worked through Elijah and raised the, the child of the widow of Zarephath or uh, through Elisha and the Shunammite woman's son. Um, you know, there was a man raised in contact with um, uh, Elisha's bones. I mean, there's a few different instances where God had worked to raise the dead. 
And so, the Hebrew writer points out, by the way, that the reason Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac is yes. because he believed God would raise him from the dead. That's right. And I think I think that's where Paul is linking this back to the hope of the fathers, mm-hmm. the, the hope of the fathers that Abraham, though he was dead mm-hmm. in his ability to procreate and Sarah was dead in her womb, God brought life from that. And then that recognition that Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac was based on his faith. Sure. That God raises the dead. And I think when it just comes to the the apologetic nature of this, the Bible can't be right because people don't get raised from the dead. If God is out there, Mm -hmm. God can raise the dead. Mm -hmm. Why is it thought incredible that God can raise the dead? So that's the real question. Is God out there? And so let's talk about the evidences for that. But let's not assume that what the Bible says isn't true because, well, people can't come back from the dead. Yeah. If God is there, he's not doing it all the time. Yeah, no. But he can do it when he wants. That's really not all that incredible of a claim. And some of the evidence that the Apostle Paul would point to and even preach for this resurrection was so compelling. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, he said, For I delivered you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen. Now, how do you know that he died? Because he was buried. How do you know that he arose? Because he was seen. There's witnesses. All of this is according to the scriptures in God's great plan. And for the purpose which God has assigned for it, he died for our sins. He died for our sins. And so there is a God with a power to raise the dead. There is a Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who dies for our sins and in the power of God was raised from the dead. Paul is a witness. The apostles are witnesses. When we come to the New Testament, here is this inspired record and testimony of a witnessed, risen Christ. And because Jesus was resurrected, even though resurrection does not happen all the time, we do understand that it will at one time, at some time, happen for all people. And it will either be a resurrection to life or a resurrection to condemnation. The resurrection happened, and our resurrection is coming, and that's where our hope is. Our hope is the resurrection of life that we get to have through Jesus Christ because he died for our sins and was resurrected for our transformation. We'd love to know what you're learning from your reading. We'd lo- if you're reading something else, we'd love to hear about that. If you're reading along with us in Acts, want to know what you're getting out of that, please email us at christiansmeet... Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. <laughs> I get it backwards, even though I say it every day. Text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Org. Andrew, wrap us up with prayer. Our great God and Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day you've given us. We thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the hope we have, and the resurrection of Christ. And God, my prayers for all those who are listening to the podcast today, and that they might come to your word, come to your truth, be obedient to it, that they too might be children of hope. And we look forward to the day of the Lord's return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. 
Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well,